you don't know who I am, my name is John Jansen, and I'm really looking forward to spending some time with you in the Word today. Um, when I'm coming into a, to do this, I am coming off of a day spent at Duncan Christian School. I work as an education assistant there, and today we took the grade 7 students out to Couchin uh, River Bible Camp. And we had an awesome day. We did a lot of work in the forest, clearing out branches and making the paths look really nice. We had some students working in the garden as well. Um, that was our morning, and then we had a nice lunch. And then we spent the entire afternoon running around, playing hide-and-seek. I was chasing kids, trying to catch them, play tag. Um, so as a result, I'm uh, a little bit out of breath and a little bit tired. But nevertheless, I am uh, really glad to be doing this. And it was actually ended up being a really good thing that we went and did that today because God used it to sort of Help me find an image that's going to be helpful for us um, as we set up the scene for our, for our psalm passage here. When I was standing in that forest, I sort of was confronted with the question of how long that forest had been there. I'm pretty new to the area, um, and I didn't grow up around a lot of forests and stuff. So for me, it's kind of still a novel experience being in those places. And... I thought about the trees and looking at them and, you know, thinking, okay, that must be pretty old. But then thinking, well, before those trees were there, there were different trees there. And that's still the same forest. And you could repeat that over and over again. And, and pretty soon I, I came to understand that I can't understand how old this forest is. It's outside of what I could ever imagine. And that goes in the other direction too. That forest is going to be there long after I'm gone. And normally, I think, thinking about that time scale can be a little unsettling. But for me, when I was reflecting on this psalm and what the psalmist has to say about who God is, I found it actually kind of a source of comfort. And I hope um, to explain why. And I hope that um, as we go through it together that um, you experience a bit of that comfort as well. Um, but before we get into reading it, um, why don't we just pray together quickly to start our time. So, dear Lord, I just want to thank you for bringing us here today. Um, I thank you for the technology that allows us uh, to meet together, even when um, our schedules don't always line up or we're not free at the same time or we can't be in the same place. Um, we thank you that it's your spirit that connects us. And so I pray that as we gather around your word um, as a family, I just pray that you would guide us and that you would illuminate things for us and that through that, we would get a bit of your peace and strength for what we need to face today. Amen. So the psalm I'll be reading is Psalm 33. And I'll be reading from the NIV. Um, the words will be on the screen, but if you have a different version, that's totally fine too. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all that he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. 
Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice. For we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. So in this psalm, I see a couple different sections. There's sort of a somewhat conventional introduction, a call to attention, a call to praise. And then following that call to praise, there's a couple different answers as to sort of the question of why do we praise God? There's sort of some poetic statements that are made about who God is and his power and authority and the extent of his reign. Within that, we also see a comparison to the earthly powers as well. And then finally ending with a statement from us. We've talked about God, but this is what we do. We wait in hope. Um, Starting in the introduction, I think there was one kind of interesting thing that might be worth calling attention to. And that's the statement from verse 1. It is fitting for the uprights to praise him. Now, when I was thinking about this statement, I sort of was trying to find some other words to think about it. What might be a good synonym for fitting? Other translations, by the way, might use the word becoming, which, you know, might imply some other things as well. But the thing that grabbed me about that, um, I think, ties in uh, to some of the other themes that we're going to see. And that has a question to do with who we are and our identity. And I think what the psalmist is trying to say um, is that there's something about us something about who we are as followers of God that makes it natural or maybe healthy is a good word to praise. You know, I think praising God sometimes is not comfortable. Sometimes it's not necessarily natural feeling. You know, I've definitely been in worship contexts where I'm not really in the moment or I don't really feel, it doesn't feel right or it doesn't feel like I'm fitting. But what I think is special about this is it's calling to attention our action to sing joyfully, but also who we are as we do that, the upright, the followers of the Lord, and what that might mean. Going on, as I said, we sort of answer the question, who is it, this God, that we're praising? And from verses 4 to 9, we see these really interesting um, connections to this God as a creator. And we see the power of God's word as a creative, um, as a device for creating. We see a lot of Comparisons to Genesis, like by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made 
and the starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. And there's a little bit of the imagery of the gathering of the waters that we definitely have seen in Genesis. And this call to attention of God as the creator of the earth and sort of his power and domain over that. But just like in the Genesis narrative, we start with creation, but it also goes on to us as well. God's domain isn't just over the natural world that he's created, but also us who inhabit it. And we see just how far that power goes. It says, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people. And I think for me, sometimes reading these kind of statements is a bit tricky because I might look at my current context and see the plans of the nations or the purposes of the people. And they might not always appear to be in line with God's will, what God's desire is, the desires of his heart that are supposed to go through all these generations. But this to me is where the forest really was helpful. I thought, you know, I might, I could cut down a shrub. I could cut down a hundred trees and, you know, I could look at that in my life and say, wow, I've really made an impact on this forest. I've really changed things. But, you know, then a couple generations might go by and the forest will be completely different and it won't have much to do with what I did or what someone else did. Now, that's not to say it isn't important to take care of the land that we've been given and steward the world that we've been given. I think that there's pretty clear evidence for that in Genesis. And certainly we know that we can have lasting impacts. But I think compared to the scale of what God has done in that forest over generations of time, that's to me where I really see his power. You know, something I might do might have temporary significance, but compared to what God does, it's so insignificant. And I think we see the power of this God even more in the verses onwards. 13 kind of to 19 is where I really feel the, the power of this psalm. That's where it says, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all and considers everything they do. There's this sense of this big, big God who's over everything across all time and all places and all people. And then the psalmist does kind of an interesting thing, comparing that to some earthly powers that we might attribute a lot of strength to. Right? A king. A king is a very, very long-standing symbol of strength and authority. But the psalmist says no king is saved by the size of their army. And we might think of a great warrior in all of his strength and skill to fight and overcome. Here, no warrior escapes by his great strength. Or, you know, a horse, a very powerful animal, an animal that we use to measure the power of the things that we create, is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. So we see here God's power, God's authority, all of its scale, all of its wonder, all of its sort of incomprehensibleness, if that's a word, compared to some of the things that we might traditionally understand as powerful. And I think for me, this is where the psalm really hit home. And that happened when I started to think about how I confront my own problems and how I'm confronting, you know, a situation where I might need to be saved or might need strength. I think for me, when I lose control, my tendency is to try and gain it and try and show myself my own strength, make myself bigger. Um, I might focus on my accomplishments or focus more on the areas where I can control and really lean into those to show myself how big and powerful I am. But I think um, 
the final verses show us that it's not about making ourselves big. We can't overcome the problems that we face and the discomfort that we feel on our own. And this is, of course, something that we know. But what's so beautiful about the Psalms is it gives us this awesome language to really understand that. By making ourselves small and seeing the grandeur of our Lord, how he looks down over all mankind, watches all who live on earth, created all things. I think for me, that's where the comfort really lies. And this brought me back to the initial question. Why do we praise in the first place? You know, what are these Psalms actually for that we're going through? And there's some obvious answers to that question, right? We might say we praise God because he's worthy of praise. And that's certainly true. We might say we praise God out of gratitude because he's done great things for us. But for me, praise is important because it's about recognizing where power really comes from, where the true authority is. Not kings, not warriors, not our traditional understandings of human power, but something much bigger, something beyond. So by making myself small, understanding who God is, that's where my comfort comes from. And when I think about the times where I've, you know, decided, oh, I need to spend some time in in praise. I need to spend a few minutes in worship. Usually that's not happening because I'm feeling especially a high level of gratitude or I'm really understanding the worthiness of God. Usually it's because I need to understand in that moment where the authority is. You know, there might be something in my life that feels bigger than me, feels scary feels overwhelming. But by looking at God, I can look above that problem and say, Lord, I know you are over this and the purposes of your heart overcome this. As we wrap up our time today, um, I have two things for us. The first is a bit of a challenge and this is maybe where my work in the school is coming out. I'm thinking, oh, what's a practical thing we can do out of this? And that comes kind of from verse three. That's the sing to him a new song. This is a phrase that's not super common in the Bible. Um, I think it shows up about four times. Um, But I thought maybe a helpful activity, if you're musical or if you're not, if you're just good with, if you um, connect with words, if words are meaningful to you, maybe spend five minutes and try and sing a new song. It can be written down or you can sing it and just maybe use that as a vehicle for connecting this big, creative, powerful God to our own day-to-day problems, right? The new things that we face every day. But as an ending statement, I would just like to, in prayer, read for us the last three verses. And that's how I'll conclude today. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice. We trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Amen.